Amen. Good morning. So uh, I've got 27 and a half minutes. So it's going to be a rush. Okay. So get ready for the rush. Zechariah chapter 4. Here we go. Quick turn to Zechariah chapter 4. Okay. Good. So we're going to be looking at the vision Zechariah has in chapter 4. Last week we saw uh, the vision that he had in chapter 3. And you learned about the magnificent grace of God, didn't you? That saved you. This glorious picture that Zechariah has uh, of what God will do when he saves people. But each of us is like that. We're each a brand plucked from the burning. Jesus reaches out, grabs hold of us and saves us and gives us new life. And it's all his initiative. It's all him. He reaches out to us. He grabs the burning, uh, the, the burning branch, if you like, the piece of wood the picture shows us as. And he redeems us. And I just, I just love that bit in Zechariah 3 where he, uh, <coughs> Zechariah gets so excited about this. This is so fantastic. He's watching this uh, and he's watching, uh, he's watching the new clothes being put on and he gets so excited about it. He says, oh, put a clean turban on his head. Do you remember that bit? He shouts it out. Oh, put a clean turban on his head. It's so exciting. And the Bible says, and so they put a clean turban on his head. So all you clean turbaned people, pay attention now, because this is chapter four now, and it's a new vision. And Zechariah, having had visions that encouraged the rebuilding of the temple, that encouraged the people working on this place where they expect God to meet with them, and we've looked at how he's been encouraged in previous chapters and how he's been personally encouraged in chapter 3. Now in chapter 4, we're going to see how that encouragement moves on to a picture that brings us right into the present and right into our future too. You know, it's so true that Old Testament prophecies have many different applications. Sometimes it's threefold. The time the prophets living in and the time of Jesus when he comes to earth and the time of Jesus when he comes again. That's common in prophecy that you can see intertwined in it those three aspects. Well in this one in chapter 4 what we're going to see is something that would encourage uh, what's his name? <laughs> oh, gee, I'm having senior moments here. Some <laughs> will encourage Zerubbabel, who's rebuilding the temple and in his day, and something that will encourage us as we look at our day today. What is it like to be a Christian today? What is it like to be part of the church today? And today we'll see, in this vision, something for the church. Last week it was for you as an individual. This week it's for us together as the Church of Jesus Christ. So, with that background, let's read it. And the angel who talked with me came again 
and woke me like a man who is awakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? I said, I see and behold a lampstand all of gold with a bowl on the top of it and seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on the top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. And I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? I said, no, my Lord. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward the top stone and shouts amid shouts of grace, grace to it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hand shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven are the eyes of the Lord which range through the whole earth. Then I said to him, what are these two olive trees on the right and the left of the lampstand? And a second time I answered and said to him, what are these two branches of the olive trees which are beside the two golden pipes from which the golden oil is poured out? He said to me, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. Then he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. Lord, uh, help us to discover your glory in these words, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, there's a complicated picture, isn't it? So the first thing I want you to take on board is, please do not sit here while I'm talking, trying to work out what this picture actually looked like. You know, there's a description of it. And when you go home, if you like this afternoon, if you feel the need, you can go through it again and try and draw yourself a picture of what it was all about. But right now, do not try and draw yourself a mental picture of what this uh, vision exactly looked like. Because I'm going to give you three points to help you navigate this wonderful vision, okay? So the first point is this, the power for completion. And the second point is the joy of completion. And the third point is the shape of completion. Easy peasy, yeah? Speak to me. Easy peasy, the power for completion, verses one to six. So we're going to look at this in its generality and not in its particular, okay? That's why I want you not to worry about what it exactly looks like because it's so complicated. And the translation of the Hebrew is suspect here and there. 
So is it seven pipes from seven lamps or seven pipes in each lamp and things like that. So you don't have to worry about that today. Good news. So the power for completion verses one to six. There's a lamp, lamp stand which for us in our day represents the church and, and for Zechariah it was re representing the building of the temple that would light up their nation and now today we're looking at the church of Jesus Christ which is going to light up the world. Did you know that? The church of Jesus Christ will and is lighting up the whole earth. That's what it's there for. That's what we're here for. We're to light up the whole earth. And you think, well, we're just a few people in Hatfield. Hey, we're part of God's plan to light up the whole earth with the good news of Jesus Christ. We're part of God's plan to, to see church all over the world. Is that exciting or is it not? I think it's exciting. I've thought it's exciting for a long time. I used to think the church was a complete and utter failure. I used to really worry about it. I used to think, goodness me, if this is the church, we're lost, we're finished, you know? And then I met people who were baptised in the Spirit and they started to enthuse me and I began to think, gosh, there's some life here. And then I discovered... A man called Terry Virgo who opened up the scriptures to me about what the church of Jesus Christ could be from the scriptures and what we were, what we were seeking and desiring was this same power for completion. We were looking at it and wanting it. We were wanting to see the church of Jesus Christ in all its glory and power and we're on the way. You can look around here and you can think, well, we're not along the way very far. You can look at yourself and think, oh, well, I don't know what part I play in all of this, but you can discover the part you play in all of this and you can be part of what God is doing, the Holy Spirit empowering you. So thrilled with, uh, with Paul's response this morning to... Uh, you know, brief text about what the preach is about. And we already had it, haven't we? The pre this preach is about the Holy Spirit, the power to light up the whole world through the church. And you can look at yourselves and you can think, oh, i just been two weeks ago to Yerevan, to this uh, Apostolic Teams conference, so you know, you prayed for me, I hope, in Yerevan, we had a great time there. There's about 45 apostolic team members from several teams working with probably now uh, at least a couple of hundred churches, if not more. And it's just amazing to be amongst these people of God because they're working in dark places. They're leading churches that exist to bring light to dark places. Actually, Britain is a pretty dark place spiritually. You know, don't think that we're left out of the dark places syndrome. We've got it here all right. 
But when you meet these people who work in places like Kazakhstan and Armenia and Russia and Georgia, it's just amazing what God will do in dark places. One of my problems going to this conference was me feeling, I felt inadequate. I felt, how, who am I to talk? I've been asked to talk about encouraging people who are under current persecution. People who are either in war zones between Russia and Ukraine or people who are under persecution, uh, particularly from Islamic states in, uh, in that area of the world. Where to be a Christian is to be a threat to life. Where to be a Christian, to actually stand for Christian things, is actually to be in a position where you could be killed by someone who thinks they're doing a great job for God by killing you. Or you can be caught up in this war zone. And there were people there who live in war zones. And you just, you just think, how do they manage this? Not only to live in the war zone, but to project the glory of Jesus Christ in the war zone. To actually be a place of safety for others to come to. For the church of Jesus Christ, I met this guy who leads a church in the middle of no man's land between Ukrainian troops and Russian troops. And, you know, there's shells going over their heads. And he <coughs> has a church building where there's a well for water and the water is cut off to the rest of the place. And so no one's got any water except the church. Huh. How about that then? And so he opens up the church to everybody. Come, get water. You couldn't make it up, could you? Come, get water and the water of life. And I met him and he's, uh, he's, quite a, he's quite an ordinary guy, like they always are. Do you ever wonder how you will survive in persecution? I don't think I could take it, you know, the thumb screws and that. But it's always ordinary people, isn't it, who shine. It's amazing. This guy's an ordinary guy. He's mayor of that town now. Wow. The light of the world, the church of Jesus Christ. We are bringing that light. The power is in the oil. You see, what this is all about is oil flowing. It's flowing from the oil. The oil is flowing from the trees, from the olive trees, down through the pipes into the lampstand. And it's all about oil. Do you know, it's... God's initiative to bring the Spirit of God to the building of the Church of Jesus Christ. It's God's initiative. It's his grace again. We couldn't do anything. We'd be powerless. We'd be incapable of doing anything. I'm sure this guy in, in uh, East Ukraine, I'm sure he felt the same. He could do nothing, but God came and empowered him and his church people, to be witnesses. God took the initiative. You know, Jesus said to the disciples, wait here 
until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. What do you think they did while they were waiting? Go through a checklist. Have I done this? Have I done that? Have I done the other? You know? Have I, did they go through a checklist? Did they have a sort of seminar session, you know, with nice fancy leaflets and workbooks to work through? Do you think they did that? What is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is... A, was the Holy Spirit promised in the Old Testament? I don't know. Did they work through their workbook? No, they did what they were told, which was wait. Because it's God who does it. It's God who sends the Holy Spirit. It's his initiative. Jesus said, it's better for you that I go. And they all go, what? It's better for you that I go because if I go, I can send the Holy Spirit. And Jesus dancing with excitement. If I go, I can send the Holy Spirit. Yay! And we're going, uh. The Holy Spirit empowers the Church of Jesus Christ. That's who we are the Church of Jesus Christ, and he's gone to heaven, and the Holy Spirit has come to us. This is why it's so important to nurture this flow of oil in our church. It's God's way of empowering the church. That's what it's about. Poor old Zerubbabel, slaving away, Building this new temple. Getting people to work. Have you ever tried getting people to work when you're not paying them? Can be difficult. Don't want to. Haven't got time. Too busy building my own house. All these problems. The rubbers face. Oh my word. And then there's the political issues around him in Jerusalem and the surround, with the surrounding nations and negotiations to keep the peace and all the stuff that's going on. And there's poor old Zerubbabel slaving away, headache at night. And the message to Zerubbabel is very simple. It's the spirit. It's the spirit. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Such a hard lesson for us to learn, isn't it? Because we want to do things, don't we? Especially if we're male, we want to fix it, we want to do it, we want to be part of the team that does it. We want to do things. Give me a job. I want to contribute my job. What is my job? Give me a job description. Hey, your job description is wait for the Holy Spirit. And then you are empowered. And it's the same for the individual and for the church. The church is empowered by the Holy Spirit, not by might. Not by strong men 
Oh boy, do we have to explain this to Russians. It's not by might and strong men who ride bareback on horseback. With their, with their mighty chests thrust forward. Da-dum. No, it's not by might the church will be built. Have you noticed that the church is full of people like you and me? Have you noticed that? Are we mighty? Not many of us. Are we wise? Very few of us. You know, the New Testament's so realistic. Not many are wise. Not many. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Look at us, dumbos that we are. But when the Holy Spirit comes, Dumbo, you can see glorious things happen. Because God is with you. And he has the power. It says there, not by my, not by power, but by my spirit, it says the Lord of, Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. That's what it says there, specifically hosts. <laughs> So the Lord of hosts is with you. What are hosts? Well, people who give you food. They're hosts, aren't they? This is a problem with English. We have double meanings. Hosts. So it's not this hosts. It's not the host that hosts you for lunch today. This is not the host he's talking about. He's talking about the host, the mighty numbers, the incredible, uncountable numbers of angels and hosts of people. There are hosts in the Lord. There is incredible resource in the Lord. That's what it's saying. And so KCC will be built by the Spirit not by Dom's power. Administrator, though he brilliantly is. Okay? Zerubbabel could have done with Dom at his side. But it won't be by administrative power. It won't be by man's ability. Fortunately for administrative twerps like me, it is not going to be by man's ability, but by God's. That's why the church has survived all these years, all these centuries since the beginning at Pentecost. Pentecost started something with 120 people. How extraordinary, with 3,120 after the first day. Wasn't that amazing? We could do with a day like that, couldn't we? That'd be fun. Imagine 3,000 people being added to this church today. You wouldn't know what to do, would you? (laughs) And so it's not by might, it's not by power. So... You know, there's, there's all sorts of political power, and we're thinking a lot about political power at the moment, aren't we, in this country? There's all sorts of political power, but it won't be by power. It won't be by your human influence. 
This church will not be built by human influence. This church will not be built by power. This church will be built by the flow of oil that comes from heaven into it constantly, continuously, unfailingly. It's always here. The Holy Spirit will always be here. We need to access that power. And we need to practice accessing that power, like we did this morning. We need to practice accessing. Um, you know, am I disappointed that you know, not 20 people came forward to say, I've just been healed? No, I'm not disappointed, because I did what God called me to do in that moment, and it's up to him. And I practiced hearing God. And you can practice hearing God. We don't mind if you fail. We don't mind if you crash and uh, crash out because, you know, nothing happened. How do you know nothing happened? How do I know nothing happened? Who knows what God will do in the next few hours? You don't know. And you don't know what God is doing behind the scenes either. You don't know. I love it when, when wives who've been saved and tell me that their husband is far from God when the husband suddenly gets saved and they're totally shocked. I love it. I didn't know that was going on. No, you didn't know it was going on. We don't know what God is doing in its totality. We don't know. You know, while I was in Yerevan, Dom had to go to a hub meeting in Bedford and he was asked to share about what's going on in this church. You know, a little while ago, Dom and I calculated how many people have been through this church in the last 20 years and it's around 500 and we recounted the 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 vision one of the visions at the beginning of this church's life was it, that we would be like a lake with a river going in at one end and a river going out of the other and that when people came in to this lake the rivers flowing in and out of the lake there's been 500 people through this church 500 people who've been fed through and, and passed out, not passed out, but you know. <laughs> I just saw that one coming. <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic story. It's a fantastic story of many, many people. Many people are now church leaders. Many people who are leaders in their field of endeavour, as they say these days, their field of endeavour, they are leaders who shine for Jesus because they went through this church and got foundations laid in this church. And we know this because people tell us it's true. And so Dom spoke at this meeting and then speaking after him, was Richard from Milton Keynes who talked about Iona and how amazingly we had placed into Iona all the good things that he saw in her now. He put it down to this church. Wow. You don't know what's flowing in the oil of Jesus Christ, in the Holy Spirit, through this church. You don't know everything 
Just rejoice in what you do know and consider there's probably a lot more you don't know. That has happened and is happening. Because we're open to the Spirit, because this is a church of the Spirit, because we're looking to the Spirit, not the power of the leaders, fortunately, not our power, but the power of God to change lives. The power of God to build the church. And it's half past 12 already and I've only done point one. Can you handle another couple of minutes as I belt through points two and three? The joy of completion, verse seven to nine. Is the opposition mountainous? Well, it can be flattened by the Spirit. Crashing bursts of applause is what the Hebrew says as Zerubbabel puts the top stone to it as Zerubbabel finishes it. Well, Jesus is the Alpha and Omega, yeah? He's the beginning and the end. Jesus began this in Acts chapter 1. That's what happened when the church began. And who is going to finish it? Well, the Alpha and Omega will finish it. He'll come again and the Bride of Christ will be complete and we will be with him forever. It's the Church of Jesus Christ, also called the Bride of Christ, that will have this joy of the final... Imagine being the final person to be saved before Jesus comes again. Have you ever thought of that? Wouldn't that be amazing? Too late for us. We're already saved. But someone will be the last person to be saved before Jesus comes again. Oh, what an amazing person that will be. Or rather, they'll be amazed. Because they'll get saved and boom, it'll be second coming. Just like that. Just like that. Oh, crikey. Oh, dear. Then you will know, he says, the Lord of hosts, the Spirit and the Son. It's Trinitarian, this prophecy. I'll leave you to work that one out for yourself. And the third point was the shape of completion. The shape, ah, <laughs> the shape of completion, the plumb line will be in the hand of Zerubbabel. So I thought I'd bring a plumb line. There's a plumb line. Look at that. Isn't that great? I use it for decorating, okay, to get the wallpaper straight. Do you do, do, yeah, do, you do that? Get the wallpaper straight. It's a, it's a plumb line, you can have a long string, it can go right up the stairway, right up to the top, and it shows you what is totally vertical. Absolute verticality. If you want absolute verticality, have a plumb line. See, with a... With a what are you two laughing about? It's a great plumb line, look. The Lord is building his church and it says in Ephesians 2 that he is the cornerstone. Everything goes from him. He measures it from the cornerstone to make sure it's absolutely right. No wonder people rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. What does he mean? They rejoice and say, whoa, oh look, what a nice plumb line. 
No, what they're rejoicing about is, oh, oh, look, this is going to be built properly. This is going to be built correctly. This is going to be built God's way, in God's power. This is going to be completed correctly. Isn't that fantastic? Complete it correctly. How many DIY jobs have you completed incorrectly? How many DIY jobs have you not actually completed at all? <laughs> there, is a, there is a loo in one of the houses in one of the churches in Russia where this DIY job of enclosing a pipework has never been completed. Um, I've been going to this house for many years and it's still the same. The materials are there leaning against the wall and there they have lent for several years. But Jesus will build his church. The gates of hell will not prevail. And there is a rebuke to those who despise small things. Those who despise small things are rebuked. Because one day they'll see. They'll see what the largeness. While I was in Yerevan, one of the, um, one of the other English church leaders with me leads a very large church in London. And I heard about this church from him and he mentioned it in his talks. 1,500 membership church. 1,500? Whoa. Four venues, nine services on a Sunday. And he preaches on a Thursday to a video camera so that the, when can't get around all four centres on a Sunday. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Hey, do not despise the day of small things. Because it doesn't matter what the numbers are. What matters is, is the oil flowing. What matters is, is the Holy Spirit amongst us. What matters is, are we are we full of the Spirit in this church? Is it a church where the Spirit has freedom to move and freedom to be building this church to the plumb line? That's what matters. Not whether you've got 1,500 in four different centres and you have to preach to a video camera. That's fun, I'm sure. And you have... 36 different nations represented in your church. That's London for you. That's all that says. He's in London. No, do not despise the day of small things. You may think this church is small. Actually, it's, it's getting bigger. God will build it, not us. Amen.